Welcome one, welcome all to The Tension. I am your host, Mick White. I am joined, as always, by my brother and friend, Eric Moran. How are you, brother Eric? Doing well, brother. Uh, this Tension is a podcast all about putting two theological subjects into right relationship and finding the truth that God desires for His church. It is our hope that with the show we will be able to reach the lost, equip the saints, and challenge you to think deeper into the things of God for the glory of God. We are thankful and excited that you have decided to spend some time with us and pray that in some way you will be blessed by the conversation. Today, the two topics are a, I feel like, a hot-button issue that we have inside of the church, which is continuationist versus cessationist. Um, I will say straight off from the jump that I fall on the continuationist side. Uh, I believe that the application of the way that the those gifts operate has been surely taken in the wrong direction from what I see from my studies. But this is, you know, once again, this is my interpretation. This is my opinion. But I have so many questions about it. We actually took a really long time putting the whole thing together. I'm almost 100% certain that this will be a two-parter, but we're going to see where God takes us and the Holy Spirit moves inside of the conversation. Uh, you care to elaborate at all, Eric, or just stand it, over there and breathe? It just kind of sounds like shame and guilt and bitterness all wrapped up in, hey, let's talk about this subject, which is awesome. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, because once again, as as people listen, they come from different places, and, and that's just being honest, and it's there's nothing wrong with being honest, brother. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I don't know. It's because you get so, you get two polar opposite sides. I mean, you're either all the way left or all the way right on this one. I don't see a lot of people in the middle. The people in the middle don't really know, don't really have a dog in the fight. And a lot of the times that I talk to them, because I know that there's a whole group of people that I love very much that are very charismatic, and there is a group of people that I love that are on the opposite side that are saying that those things have their place, but they do not believe that they are used correctly. Um, and I can't lie to them and not say that I don't see that as well. So the tension this morning <clears throat> is actually between continuism. Right. And sensationism. Correct. Yes. Which, once again, some believe the gifts have gone past the apostolic authority, and then others believe that the apostles were given spiritual gifts and authority that were not given or needed moving forward throughout the uh, dispensations of the gospel. Correct. Uh, the one, the way that I, I see a lot of it is, is that there are spiritual gifts that are overlooked and there are more that are highlighted and put out front. And those are the ones that you are to aspire to have because Joe Snuffy says so from the pulpit because it's made such a drastic impact on his life. And you should just agree this way. And if you don't agree, then you're wrong. But from all the episodes that we've done and the conversations that we've had, I see both end of it and I say what does that look like inside of that because if you're operating from the either or perspective you can quickly get off into the realm of either or teaching and I don't we've clearly established that that is not the case correct I mean whether that be Catholicism and Protestant whether that be the different denominations I'm not saying that there's not places for conversation. There's not places for seeing things different inside of redemptive history. I'm not saying that there's not meaning and purpose between all of the quote-unquote divisions, but we do know that God's not divided and that it's supposed to be about unity. So how do we bring it back to the both and 
um, work through the either ors to where we can still be exactly who we are, but yet honor the fact that God is one. God has called us into one message, one baptism, one spirit, uh, one mission, and stop letting people eat our lunch as far as speaking out of both sides of our mouth, which Amen. is something that we are normally guilty of. Oh, absolutely. With all that being said, my framework question would have to be inside of biblical framework of the gifts. I see that the operation of the spiritual gifts has moved outside of the design that God has presented to his church. That would be my, my overarching stance on that. And it will all kind of hinge, hinge back through it harks back to the book of acts. And then in Corinthians 12 through 14, these are two different ones that I see um, because inside the book of acts, the question we would move to that I, that I arrive at is, is this a descriptive text or a prescriptive text? And I know there are many differing opinions about, uh, about the interpretation, but what is your interpret your interpretation inside of a both and point of view of spiritual gifts? All right. So when we look at the book of acts, we understand that the acts actually means the acts of the apostles. It's literally the follow-up between Luke the Gospel of Luke, as far as here's what Christ has done, here is the mediation, here is the bridge from the original covenant to the new covenant, and then what does this look like moving through historical narrative? And when we look at the book of Acts of the Apostles and we start to look at the fact that there is a design laid out, there's a design laid out and inside of your question. You said biblical framework, operation, and design, and, mm -hmm. and, and all of those just end up in my wheelhouse. So what I mean by wheelhouse is if you pitch the ball there, I'm going to drive it. And and so when you say biblical, we're going to just look at the scripture. I'm going to put some things in front of you. And whether you see it different or, you know, you, all of us are interpreters, that's fine. But we're going to read the scripture together and it will be in the ESV as far as me reading. Um, framework is, once again, when we build a building, there has to be uh, original design. There has to be a framework that every everyone understands. So framework becomes really important. Now, the reason that you have a framework is so that it can properly operate. So we're getting outside of the biblical framework, and it's not operating correctly because of the design. So once again, there's a designer, meaning that there is someone that drafted it. There is a purpose that was, in, you know, desired or intended by the one that came up with this design is it operating properly well that's the question we have and how do we put that back in tension between god and us that gets back to us being the priesthood and us being the temple and us being those that don't know but need to hear but yet those that have fallen in love and need to submit and to be able to connect those two things together and here we have the historical narrative of those things coming together and luke trying to say hey this is what it's going to look like once again, walking with Paul. And, and when we look at this design, I love designs. So if you look at the book of Acts and you get to the very beginning, you know, once again, Jesus Christ, these are the things that he continues to teach about them. But when we get to verse 1 8, it says this it says that, um, verse 1 8, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon y'all, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So the things I need to start with there is this. It doesn't say when you receive the power, um, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll decide or you will do. It says, no, you will be. So when the whole power of the Holy Spirit comes upon a believer, and that's y'all, that, that you is plural, that means that 
y'all will experience this, but then there's a comma and you will be my witness. And that you there is singular. So in other words, this is a common invitation to all of those many here, fewer chosen. Okay. The invitation goes out. You finally have your heart changed. Well, when you have your heart changed, if you're the temple, that means you become Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. What was Jerusalem? It was the place of the temple and the Holy of Holies right. all the way down to the center. So when you when you receive the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will regenerate your heart and your heart will become the Holy of Holies and you will become Jerusalem in this world where people interact with the truth of what God has made known. Now, that's on an individual basis, but it's going to have to start in your heart, not in anyone else's. And the reason I say that is when we look at this verse, it says, you will become my witness in Jerusalem. All right, Jerusalem is a singularity place and all of Judea and Samaria, comma, into the ends of the earth. Okay, so when we say in Jerusalem, you're the temple, holy of holies, individually to y'all corporately, Mick or Eric gets changed by the regenerative work of the Holy Spirit. When that takes place, I am sent into all of Judea and Samaria. Mm-hmm. All right, some Old Testament, you know, teaching, understanding. Samaria is the 10 tribes that went north. Judea is the two tribes that stayed down south. The two tribes that stayed down south were the Christians that are like, I can't even believe he's back here singing in the choir. You know, he was in a club last night. You know, I don't even understand. They don't even live what they say. But ultimately, it's the judgmental spirit of the few inside of the body of Christ. And instead of holding those standards open-handedly to those that aren't living up to them in love, they become close-hearted and hard and callous. That's what happens in the history of, of of Israel. All right, so Samaria, once again, the 10 tribes go up north. They won't sit underneath Solomon's son. They go up and they say, hey, we're going to start this new capital being Samaria, the woman at the Samaritan, you know, the Samaritan at the well. And, and ultimately, these are the majority of the church that gets assimilated into the world to where they really don't know how to apply the things of God. And it becomes this either or. And if you're going to place Jesus versus science and I go to school and they're teaching me all this science. But when I come home, I've got Judean parents and they say, well, you either have to believe Jesus or you have to believe your professors. And it's like, well, my professors continue to show me this and this. Well, you just have to believe. And well, there's no explanation. And and you end up with this divide is all I'm saying. And ultimately, we have to bridge those two things together because we love the body of Christ, whether you come from outside. Those that are far away, I preach peace. This is Ephesians 2. And those that are near, I preach peace. Ephesians 2, once again. Uh, And this is Jesus' red letters to bring them together. So when we look at this, it says, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will become the temple of God, the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. When that takes place individually, you become my church. But the first thing you have to do in the church is settle this discrepancy between those that think they are strong believers and those that believe they are weak believers because you have to get rid of the shame and the guilt and you have to get rid of the pride and this thinking that you're better than others so that we can go to the ends of the earth. But if we don't ever do anything in the church, we're never going to make any impact in the earth. And the earth gets to pick apart what we don't do in the church because we don't understand who we are individually. And it, we have to start right there. That's that's the design right. of Acts. In other words, the rest of the book comes out of that verse. He sends the Holy Spirit where? To Jerusalem, to Peter. He stands up. Yes. 3,000 people are saved. Pentecost, right. Acts 2. Bam. Okay. All right. Then they go to the Samaritans. Okay. All right. And we're going to see the apostolic authority or design built out of Acts 1-8 that then opens it up to the Samaritans. Now, the Samaritans, once again, are brothers and sisters that have been assimilated into the world to, they, to where they don't know their identity. Mm-hmm. 
So you encourage them inside of what God has made known to you as your Lord and Savior to your brother and sister to where they start to want to be more like Christ Mm -hmm. so that they can make an impact. And you pull your brother and sister in. Now, once the body becomes healthy Mm -hmm. and judgment starts with the body, then you can be sent out to be that conduit because you've gotten rid of all of that insulation. And, and, And when we look at that and we look at Acts 2, we've got the Pentecost, which is Acts 2, 1 through 4, and it says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, and they were all together in one place. All right, so the many had come together in one place, as Jesus had instructed. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. All right, so ultimately there's... M- up to 120 disciples. We'll we'll just say there's multiple people that are divided, but they are all given a unified voice, a unified fire, a unified purification Mm -hmm. of the message of the gospel. And when they stand up, Peter fulfills Joel and he stands up, 3000 people are saved and they're pricked to the heart to where some that wanted to say, Oh no, they might, they may be drunk today. I, I, they're denying the truth of what's being said, but they understood the word. So they're underneath that conviction or rejection. That is the first time the Holy Spirit is given. And it says the sign of the Holy Spirit, when the tongues of fire are given is they will speak in tongues of other people to where they can understand it with a translator. So somebody was speaking Jewish. Yes. Somebody was speaking not Jewish. Yes. And there was a lot of people speaking not Jewish. So yes. if you were just listening and you only knew one language, you would understand yours and a lot of Babel. Yes. All right. Now, that's going to be important later, but we see this in Jerusalem. I'm going to make you my people. I'm going to mm-hmm. give you this individual call that is going to call to those that have come from everywhere else for Pentecost right. in Jerusalem to hear the original fulfillment of the promise through the work and death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ for the Father's glory by the gift of the Holy Spirit to where the gospel is now made known to a new people group, i.e. the Jews, which Jesus said, I'm not here for the Gentiles. I'm here for the Jews. Right. All right, so now that the Jews have been empowered with this new relationship, the apostles that are leading the Jews become those that have apostolic authority. So here we are in Acts 2. You can go to Acts 2.42, which becomes important, and we're just going to skim over it because we're trying to drive through Acts for the fact of looking at spiritual gifts. But 42 says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, that's the apostolic authority, and koinonia, fellowship, Mm -hmm. to where they would break bread, meaning that they would have communion together, and they would pray to God. And this all took over the people, and they started to understand that the things in this world didn't matter, and they started to give away their possessions for the glory of God to make an impact for the gospel. All right, mm-hmm. great. That, that starts to happen inside the Jewish culture. Well, the next people group, if the Jews are the first people to, to get it, yes, and if you receive my Holy Spirit, you will be my witnesses in yes. Jerusalem. Jerusalem has happened. Mm-hmm. Jerusalem, so that you can go to Judea. Judea is, i.e., Jerusalem. Right. Right. Judah and Benjamin. Mm-hmm. All right. But then the 10, the 10 twelfth, you know, the, the 10 twelfths. In other words, it, <laughs> I, I, I guess it's four fifths is yes. the best way to say yeah, it. Yeah. Four fifths of your brother and sister would be considered Samaria. Right. All right. So we would have to fast forward through the story of Acts. And once again, I, I encourage anyone to read the book of Acts. That's but a as, good one. as as we move forward with the historical narrative of God breaking ground, we get right. to Philip, and Philip is sent out, and there's the eunuch. And as we get on the back side of that, we're going to go to Acts 8, 
And when we get to Acts 8, 14 through 18, this is where we're going to find ourselves. All right, so when we get to Acts 14 through 18, Acts 14. And now the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria, right? We're talking about now Judah is in. Samaria will be the next people group because they are the children of Israel, Mm -hmm. bringing in the four-fifths. He says that the apostles in Jerusalem, i.e. the original 12, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, and they sent to Peter and John. All right, so who is bringing it? Philip. They hear about it, and they send to Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them. This is verse 15 who came down and prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, that sounds kind of, you know, that that sounded really country right there. That sounds, yeah, I don't know where that came from. But either way, that sounds, (laughs) that sounds really, they had just been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And and today we would like to what? In other words, they understood what Jesus had done, but they had not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, meaning they had not received the regenerate heart. They had not. They'd been baptized. Baptismo means to take your old color and be baptized, submerged, immersed, and then into another color. So they had been baptized into his blood okay, to where the Father sees the blood of the Son and knows the sacrifice to where the sins are forgiven. Okay. All right, so your sins are forgiven, which is just the door into your new life, but you don't enter the door until you actually enter the door. So the door is the blood-stained door right. all the way back to Exodus. Yep. No longer worried about death and the angel of this world. Hades right. and death gets thrown into hell. You are now invited to enter the door. Mm-hmm. But if you stay at the door and say, I'm going to sit on the back pew waiting for Jesus to come back, understand you have not entered into your new identity. You have not taken on your new name. You have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, this is not, you have to have spiritual gifts and you have to have all these things that people turn into. To be baptismoed into the Holy Spirit is to go through the waters of the third heavens, which is the crystal sea of glass and revelations to where now in the presence of the finished work of the Father and the Son, both sat down on their thrones, you are now immersed in the Holy Spirit that washes your red to white and that means you take on your white robe you're no longer just the blood of christ you are now in the blood of christ washed clean with the white robe to where you have a new identity seated in the heavenly realms which is ephesians 1 which is the whole book of ephesians so now that you know that you are going to be held accountable to judging angels and whatever that means that doesn't mean anything right now it means that you've been pulled into the heavenlies and then sent back through the door to be something different here would you say what you're describing was the fulfillment of isaiah 118 it's the fulfillment of all of scripture up to this point okay and 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 and, and it's the we're going to get into this at some point but prophecy <laughs> looking forward to christ was looking forward to the work god was going to do yes. prophecy after christ is looking into the finished work of christ it's not oh let me tell you what else i think yeah i don't care what you think god has said and done this and this and that. and so so the more we look into the finished work, the more we fall in love with the confidence and assurance. But what is being done right here is Samaria through Philip had heard about this word, but they needed the apostolic authority of Peter and John to come so that they could receive the Holy Spirit. And he did not come until sixteen. He had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Okay. So upon this design, 
do you think it was John and Peter's hands that made the difference? Like I, no. I, I tap a lot of people on the shoulder. <laughs> like right, right, and 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 people will be like, oh, I mean, well, it, what what happens if you baptize them and it wasn't real? Then I gave them a bath, <laughs> right? I mean, what what difference does that make? Yeah. We we're we're in a Western culture that takes right. baths every night. That's not a big deal. If I gave you one, yeah. hey, you just one up on me, right? Oh yeah. But as far as the work of God, it's the deeper understanding of what we are standing in front of and saying, I want to be part of, right. It is a confession between the earthly and the spiritual realm, hearing who you are in the finished work of God the Father and God the Son by the Mm. power of the Holy Spirit. So it is a spiritual declaration, it is a physical declaration, and both of them are only fulfilled when we get to the finished work that we can only unfathomably hope in, but we have that hope because we have assurance. And ultimately, the Samaritans couldn't come in until they got the approval of the Dugians. Now, the, that that's big because hmm. Judah was like, oh, you can't get in until you do it our way. And God's like, they're <laughs> right, but they're so wrong in their heart. Mm. Right? But so, so there's still the truth of God. They were still right. right because they were standing on the truth of God, but they were doing it in the wrong way. Well, do you think that this this drives back to the original layout of it being that when it was given to Jerusalem is supposed to signify the individual personal relationship. But in where they failed is the realization of the corporate body, the the importance of the corporate body versus the individual. Like the individual is nothing more than an invitation into the one body. So with in, Christ being the head. So in the Greek, if we go back to Acts one eight, and right. we're talking about what was it biblically? All right, so yes, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, it's I a happen, big word there. I happen to be reading the Bible. Oh, all right, well, that's so, wonderful. So biblically, all right, all right. So biblically, the framework. Okay, so the plan of God from the beginning to the end. Right. right? So biblically, what is the framework of God? And then once again, the or the operation is it actually working? So right. we see it working through the Samaritans through the work of the apostles being willing to leave Jerusalem to come lay hands. Mm-hmm. But it was through the obedience of those that thought they knew better to lay themselves down and go. Yes. To then be received by those that really didn't want those to come because then they had to give credit to someone else. But it's the defacing of the individual. Mm. But in Acts 1 8, it says, But you will receive the power, the dudamos, dynamite of the Holy Spirit when he has come upon y'all. Mm. All right. So ultimately, this is about us and we, mm-hmm. never about I and me. That's good. Right. So, so when we start with God, it the God part is solid. Mm-hmm. We just do it with the wrong heart. So, God's right. part is to bring us into communal life. Yes. All right. The way of that is to bring you into community. The truth of that is what God has said, absolutely. And the life of that is inside of the power, the dudamos of God. Now, when y'all receive this, you individually will become my witnesses right. first in your own heart, and then to Judea and Samaria. Right where we've, we've, we've picked that up inside of Scripture and to the ends of the earth. So when we get to the ends of the earth, we've got to go to Acts 10. And Acts 10 is where Cornelius is going to receive, you know, Cornelius's family is going to receive the Holy Spirit. This is after Peter's vision. We're going to pick up in uh, 44 through 48. So 10, 44 through 48. And once again, in the pericope of mine, this is the, the Holy Spirit falls on the Gentiles. But this is... Yeah. While, Pi, uh, while Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all of those who heard the word, i.e. the Gentiles that were there. Right. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed. 
Why were they amazed? Because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. So I, I want you to catch this now. Even in the writing of the scribe or whoever wrote this, Luke or whoever you want, right. they're like, and even the Gentiles got it. So, I mean, even when they're like, God did this thing. I mean, don't, don't miss this. Like, and I could, I was amazed. You want to know why? Cause those dirty Gentiles got in. I mean, but ultimately every one of us has that in our heart. And we've got to honestly look in front of that. It says, okay. So when they heard the word, the believers who came with those who thought they had it all together, right. they're amazed because even the drug addicts and the prostitutes get in. Oh, no. I, you know, so the Holy spirit is poured out even on the Gentiles. Right. Verse 46, and they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Mm -hmm. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptism of these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So Peter says the sign of receiving the Holy Spirit to a new people group, even though I don't think they deserve it, is this speaking of tongues which is a language of the gospel being made known to a new people that we never thought would hear it. Mm. So speaking in tongues is when the gospel is made known to people that don't know it through the interpretation of the fulfillment of the gospel. So in the scripturally design, in other words, in scripture, biblical design, right. there's four people groups. Okay. Um, Acts 1-8 covered them. Jerusalem, that would be your heart. Right. Judea and Samaria, that would be the church. Yes. All right. And then Acts, Gentiles, who thought they would get in? Right. All right. Sure. Not me for sure. And then I mean, now that the now that the pagans are in, oh, oh, who would be the fourth group? I mean, we've got we've got the like the prostitutes and the drug addicts are already in, and there's somebody, there's another people group that aren't in. <laughs> I mean, who who could that be? Because, I mean, right here in Scripture, it's like, they were amazed because even the Holy Spirit was poured out on these Gentiles. I wonder who would be worse than that. The Bible tells us so. So you go to, over to Acts 19. Acts 19, we've got the last people group that in the book of Acts hear the words of the Holy Spirit and then speak in tongues. So here we are. We have Paul in Ephesus. And it happened. This is Acts 19, 1 through, we'll say, 7. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country that came to Ephesus. And there he found some disciples. There he found some learners. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we've never even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, oh, into John's baptism. That would be John the Baptist's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in the one that was to come after him, that is Jesus. And on hearing this, they, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. So if you caught the language, there was the, um, oh, we believe in this teaching but we didn't receive the new heart or spirit. Now that we hear the name of Lord Jesus and what he's done that we don't deserve, which is the truth and the grace to fulfill the law, what do we need? We actually need someone to lay hands on us so that we get what they're doing to be the conduit unto the saving of our hard heart thinking we were doing everything in our own power mm. to be able to fall in love. And it's even farther away than the pagan. <laughs> so like, like false religion is like Jesus's main enemy. 
Huh. I, mean, I mean, it's what Jesus was railing about is, I didn't come for those who think they're righteous because you're too good for that. I'm coming for those that know they're broken. Oh, that would be like, I cannot believe the pagans got in. The Gentiles are in. What are we going to do? <laughs> Peter's like, I guess we can't withhold water from them. <laughs> right. But the last ones to get in had to fall underneath the authority of the way it was done through the laying of hands, had right. to fall underneath the authority that was Jesus Christ, not what they had taught. They had turned what John taught into. Ah, Did John the Baptist okay. teach anything different? No. Go read John 3 where he's like, anything that good comes from above and everything that's earthly is bad. And I am listening to the bridegroom speaking to his bride and I must decrease and he must increase. And here's his disciples like, no, I don't even know there's a Holy Spirit. Mm-mm. <laughs> what he told me was I could do this. And if I came up front and I said a witch's prayer and I agreed to get in the water, I'm good. I'm going to heaven. <laughs> They're the last people getting into heaven, and it's only through the saving work of God and then falling in love with his design and then joining in with the work to mm. actually be part of the kingdom. Or else you are deceived. Oh. According to according to Acts. I mean, yeah. that, that's not me. That That's like according to this design. So just when, according to the Bible. When we look at the Bible and you say, hey, speaking in tongues, it's like, yes. Do you believe it's still going on? God hasn't changed. So, right. Yes. So you think the person down the road speaking in tongues, um, no. <laughs> and, and, and okay, but Eric, why do you think that? Um, because a new people group isn't being invited into the gospel, which is the design of the scripture, because I don't know. Let's see, religious people were last. They've been invited. Yeah. The Gentiles, the people that don't even know them that are lost and blind and dead spiritually separated, they've been invited. Yes. Yep, yep. And, and at, at, at the cost of the religious. And and then we've got the Samaritans, which are those that are in the body of Christ, but know that they don't live up to it, but are honest enough to know that they need to join the design to be able to to receive. Hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. All right. So in the body, you might beat yourself up or in the body, you might think too highly of yourself because knowledge puffs up and you start reading your Bible. Next thing you know, it's like, oh, let me tell you what God has said. And it's like, yeah, you're not him. So, I mean, we've really got all four dimensions of the gospel breaking in to this world with the apostolic authority. In other words, apostle, a missile sent for a certain mission. Right. That mission has been fulfilled. Now, does that mean it doesn't happen? Well, God hasn't changed. So, yes, I think it happens. Right. Where does it happen? Let's use the straw argument of, what about that guy in Africa that's never heard the name of Jesus in the, go- in the, in the woods? If he met somebody that all of a sudden spoke something that he understood because God put it in his heart, yes, I think that could happen right now. Um, Eric, you in Royston or Hartwell, Georgia, is that a possibility? For- no, there's like 700 churches within four miles of me. I don't think that speaking in tongues is going to make the difference. Right. I think me trying to be religious and pick which one is right is probably more the problem than the solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. So when, when when we talk about the gifts, do I think that God could give you the gift to sit in your closet and speak to him in something that you don't understand and you have Holy Ghost goosebumps while you do it? Yeah, I yeah. think that's pretty much what Paul teaches when we get to the first Corinthians. Right. Which we probably won't today. But when we look, look at the framework, when we look biblically, yeah. Acts is the... The design, it's, it's, it's what's been given to us for, okay, so here's where it started. This is what happened. Now, as it went forward, mm-hmm. those things have been answered. Why are we trying to re-answer things that God has already opened the door for? Okay. So, so, like, I'm, I'm wondering. So you are saying that 
there is a distinction between the way tongues operate, the gift of tongues. It's probably going to be in two episodes, but we'll get to what Paul teaches and the heart of how those things are given. What I am saying is, with God, have tongues been spoken because of the need? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. All right, and then where you started out, where is is Acts prescriptive or descriptive? Okay, so descriptive is... Has God's plan been described? Yes. Um, amen. Right, right. Yeah. Amen. All right. Has it been prescribed? Yeah. 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 I mean, that's kind of so description is God's part. It's either or. That's what God has said. Thus right. saith the Lord. Not pretty, you know, not, not, not open for, I mean, do you not know? Have you not read? Those are, you know, things they remember Jesus saying. So I think I'm fair to say I that. Do, I do remember him saying that. Right. And, and and he didn't say, have you read what's going to be written moving forward? He said, no, no. Have you not read what's already been, been written? written? Yeah. But you don't want to submit to that because you want to turn it into something new so that you have control over it to mm. where you get credit for people that come through the door. And then we get to Galatians 6. But without going on a rant any more than I already did, we, we, will, we will move into the... There's the descriptive part and the prescriptive part of this invitation being all the way back to Genesis, where one of the three things that happened to us was the Tower of Babel, where mankind had one language and they could do anything under the sun. Right. And they built a temple, which is the house of God, to call him down. And when he came down, they got more than they bargained for. And he separated that one voice into traditionally 70 different traditions. Mm -hmm. All right. Now the importance of that is, is okay. It turned into Babel because everyone was trying to say the same thing in a different way. And nobody wanted to give anyone else credit because of our selfishness and the sin separated us from hearing the truth because we wanted to hear what we wanted to hear when we wanted to hear it, the way we wanted to hear it because we have itching ears. All right. Fast forward. The Messiah comes and he sends in the New Testament, the New Covenant, the New Promise, 72 or 70, depending on your translation, but ultimately it's the same number in tradition to where he sends his disciples out to the different nations with the different voices, tongues, mm -hmm. to invite them back into the one love language of what Jesus Christ was doing, one baptism, one spirit, one door, one way, one shepherd, one God, and right. open up this love language of I don't care what language you used to speak. This is the language that you ought to speak. You were created to speak. Mm. When that takes place, you have this returning of, or this door of returning opened through the precious blood of the Son for the glory of the Father by the power and indwelling of the Holy Spirit for you to fall in love with a new language, i.e. speaking in tongues. Well, there's supposed to be an interpreter, Cardinal Paul. Yes, he's, his name is the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. and he will lead you through whether or not you're doing it in love, which is chapter 13 in 1 Corinthians between 12 and 14, which we'll cover next, next time we get together. But he's like, if you're not doing it in love, then it doesn't matter if you get, I don't know, crucified or burned at the stake. If you didn't do it in love of God and love of others at the cost of yourself, then no, you just died living for yourself. Right. Uh, it, it, oh, but. He knew all the prophecy, and man, he just got up, and he was such a charismatic speaker. And it's like, no, he was a sounding gong is what he was, mm. because it wasn't pointing back to the original design, the biblical 
right. operating power of the Holy Spirit leading you back to what the Son has accomplished that no man could other than the man sent by God to be the man of God so that men could put their faith in him as a bride because he is our federal head. There's a trade there that means I don't care who you are, you're not who he is. Right, it's for the what him completing his work is for the assurance that we have our hope in, instead of yourself. And what a what a horrible trait! No, no, I don't really want God. <laughs> I would rather take me. <laughs> That's it's funny. Like, okay, but you're nothing but evidence that yeah, you don't want to do that. Yeah, right. Well, so when you put it when you put it that way, it makes more it makes way more sense because the the arguments that I've heard from the other side almost seem to be framed like the way that the way that they say it what i interpret from what they're saying what i take away from what they're saying boils down to if you don't do this you're not saved and and i'm trying to figure out how that marries to me in my head through my own personal study that does not marry back to the gospel not not only does it not marry back to the gospel but my head works in illustrations why i love the disciple john However, I just put that in my own illustration. So I have three children. Me too. All right, cool. So I've got Sam, Sebastian, and Sheridan, two girls, one boy, boys in the middle. I work at the fire department 24 hours. I leave and I say, hey, kids, while I'm at work, Sebastian, you're going to do the yard. And Sam, you're going to do the kitchen and the living room. Sheridan, you've got your bedroom and the bathrooms. And I go to work. And let's 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 even let's say I'm going to work a double. Let's say I'm gone 48 hours. All right, Ooh. so dad goes away to protect and provide for the family through his efforts. Okay. And being an active part of the family, I have now disseminated expectations upon my children who have my family name, who I love and I do everything for. Now, 48 hours later, yeah, you guess, return. Guess what happens? So I, I pull in and no, no. The 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 lawnmower has not moved. Um, the, the weeds have actually grown two inches around it a little taller. That's the first, those are the first two signs. So as I slow down just enough to make the, the driveway and you hear the front tire squeal as I turn into the driveway, <laughs> all I can think of is, okay, I'm going to tear him up. I'm, I'm after Sebastian, right? So then I, I, I go into the house. Yeah. Now, when I go into the house, Sam was supposed to do the living room in the, in the kitchen. Right. All right. Now, when I bust into the house, I'm already after Sebastian, right? Oh, yeah, you have to one. I, so sure. I already have intent. Mm-hmm. And the whole Bible has said, oh, fear of the Lord is a real thing. Oh, he yeah. has intent. His holiness is his word. Absolutely. He has given his word. Um, I'm coming back in 48 hours. Yeah. Y'all, you heard what I said. Now, right. okay, so I bust in. I'm after Sebastian in my own heart and mind. And then, oh, my goodness, the living room's nasty. Oh, no. The dogs are looking at me like, what's up, man? I mean, the bowl's empty, and I don't have any food. And I'm like, <laughs> they can't even take care of the dogs. So then I turn, and the kitchen's nasty. Now, before I make it through the kitchen door, mm-hmm. I hear my oldest, who should have cleaned the kitchen and the living, the living room, room. Yeah. talking to Sheridan, who had the bathroom, and I don't even have to go look. I know good and well she hasn't done the bathroom. And Sebastian, and I hear her telling her brother and sister, oh, that's fine. When Daddy gets back, I'm going to tell him all of what you didn't do. Now, out of the three, just because you had my name in your mouth and nobody did what they were supposed to do. So the bottom line is God is holy. He's coming back with his expectations. And no one has kept them. No, not one. All right, so there's like multiple scriptures I could take you to that. I'm not just making that up. It's like, no, no, not one. Just to be very specific. 
but the one that is telling the others what they should do when not doing it and <gasps> judging them because they think they're me. That's, now, yeah, now I'm upset. That No, I was upset before. That's going to be the first one I jerk up, though. So the person that says that teaches that it would be better to have a millstone tied around his neck mm. than to actually be the one that has the Lord's name in your mouth when you know good and well you don't do it. Now, think of Jesus. Woe to the Pharisees. Oh, you'll go across land and sea to make a proselyte, but when you get them, you're going to make them twice the child of hell as you because yeah. you're just going to teach them what you think. Yeah, You got all these expectations, all these extra rules that I broke to show that I didn't break any of God's relational rules just to show you how wrong you are, right. but here you are doing it again. Yeah, Religious were the last ones to get in because, oh, I never heard there was a Holy Spirit. What's, <laughs> what's that about? I mean, we got programs, got some programs. You can you can grow anything you want with a program. It's like, well, yeah, yeah. except for a changed heart, which is what this is all about. So right. off of my, my, my box, when when I hear that scenario, all God does is drive me back to that illustration. No, it's like the last thing you want to do is be puffed up with knowledge and tell people what they should do like you're God, because then God has to start with you. Mm. You just took his name and authority in your own mouth. Absolutely. Well, I mean, that's what that's. That's the part that rubs me wrong is the way that it's presented and the way that I hear it. Because the way that I hear it is I'm doing this thing and that makes me special. And if you're not doing it, then that means that you're not in and you're not special. But if you look in, I believe it's Deuteronomy 30 that talks about don't don't talk about descending or ascending. That's none of our business. So when you're doing that, not only are you tearing at the seams of the bride, but you're also wreaking more fire, which most of the time means judgment, on yourself. And and that's the biggest problem. What are you doing to actually bring people together to understand that we have all been given different gifts? A lot of the gifts, that was another thing that I was going to ask you, and we'll just kind of get into it right here, because I feel like this is a good a good spot to be doing that. But you have you have these other other gifts, other spiritual gifts, including serving, teaching, exhorting, giving, uh, leadership, mercy, and faith. What the the big problem I see is those things are kind of pushed aside, and other gifts such as tongues, healing, casting out demons, are brought to the forefront and put on the pedestal, saying, "No, no, no, these gifts are the ones that you have to do to tr- to truly show." that you're in, changed, have the Holy Spirit in you. But that message is getting back to the either, it's an either-or statement. It's not a both-and. All right, so let's try and make it a, let's try and look at the truth of the biblical framework that operates in a design. Okay. In the New Testament, Jesus says, my name is blasphemed because of you. Mm-hmm. All right, so my name is ruined because you think you get to tell people to be like you, or you get to set these standards instead of presenting mine, or you get to lift these things up. So does it the, the, the spiritual gifts that you just hit on that were primary are those that are on the surface that can be seen by others, and you can feel better about yourself, so therefore you're just doing it for what you get. And the Scripture says— if you're going to pray in front of a bunch of Matthew 6, if you're going to pray in front of a bunch of other people, you might sound great. They may tell you, man, I wish I was like you, but you just got all you're ever going to get from eternity. Mm. Right. But if once again, you just say a brokenhearted prayer because you know that you're not worthy and you just actually try to connect them with the 
humbleness or the brokenness that you know you have and invite them as humble and broken in, then who knows what God may do with that for all of eternity. But in the New Testament, Jesus says, my name is blasphemed because of you and these false surface level expectations or proclamations or evidences. Mm -hmm. And in the Old Testament, we've got Ezekiel 36, where he's talking about giving his Holy Spirit. And he says, listen, as I'm talking to the house of Israel, this is what Yahweh, the creator says, I'm going to work for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but it's for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name. That's a hymn thing which you have profaned among the nations, that's the failure of our thing, and which you have profaned among them, which is as we are going, and the nations will know that I am Yahweh, declares the Creator, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. In other words, he took you because of how broken you are, not because of how good you looked or how many things you could do or the spiritual gifts you think you have. Right. It's through your weakness that his strength is known. First Corinthians Amen. 12, through weakness, your strength. So there's this trade of Matthew 11, where he quotes back to Isaiah. So once again, the both and of Matthew using the New Testament, the New Covenant, to point back to the Old Covenant, that if you're blind and you receive sight, it's only because you've received it as a gift. But as soon as you think you can see, you actually become blind because it's not a gift and you think you're doing it. Mm. All right, so the lame can walk, but as soon as you think you can walk on your own, then you return to being lame because you're not living in the tension. Yes. Right. Oh, God's the opening of the masses. Yes, because I need that. Mm -hmm. Oh, you were lame, but you can't walk. I am absolutely with two broke legs until he gives me the ability to walk. But let me tell you about what I can do on my two broke legs because of who he is. The dead have become alive. The lame can walk. The deaf can hear. The blind can see. There's this both and of don't forget who you are without me because it'll lift up who you are in me. Mm -hmm. And in right relationship, it will be for the glory of the kingdom. Yeah. So, I mean, when you look at that, I mean, that's, that is the invitation. The gifts that get lifted up are the man centered gifts that say you should be like me, which is pharisaical and exactly what, Jesus came for the whole New Testament and, and, and spoke over and over and over about. And if you as a believer catch that, what do you think the unbeliever that doesn't know anything catches? Do you not think they feel that superiority or that you better be like me instead of... It, it almost sounds like an argument made from authority. And nobody's... And, and where are we at? As a, I mean, where are we at? I'm, in, in, in America, we'll say culture, but where are we at globally? Nobody's going to sit underneath authority. Nobody's going to be preached down to. Nobody, I'm offended. I mean, who are you? Right. So now everybody is their own God, and the one way you are not going to be heard is to try and be God to somebody that thinks they're God. Right? Okay, but once again, that the, the, absolutely right. the thing about it is, is it doesn't matter what was done in the 1970s. It doesn't matter what no. was done in the 1870s, no. 1670s, 970s. It doesn't matter. Right now, where we have our breath, where God has sent us as missiles sent into the the mission field, Mm -hmm. it's to break down where people are at. Now, if they think they're God, you're going to have to change the way that you introduce the gospel. doesn't change the gospel. You almost have to speak in a new tongue. To where when people were weak and they came to hear a strong speaker so that they could feel assurance, everybody's got assurance and they need to hear somebody that's weak. 
Yeah. It's not rocket science. I mean, it's not, that is not like, oh man, Eric's so smart. No, it's just where we are. Right. Because you're the mediator. It doesn't really matter which side of the spectrum it, it swings. Right. There's only one middle. There's only one tension. Yeah, absolutely. Which is the premise of everything we're trying to do. I mean, wherever you hear someone, you need to be the mediator to bring them back to center. Right. Which will keep you in the center. So you can't outgive God. It's not like you can, it, it's just as, Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor yeah. as yourself. Right. Because if you don't do that, you're going to lose yourself. Yeah, you're missing the point. So it, we were talking about this earlier, and I love the way that you said it. You said that both sides are saying the same thing. They're just saying it differently. And you're 100% right, because what it boils down to is if you're highlighting the spiritual gift over the giver, you're missing the point because the gift only comes from the giver. So that's who should be praised for it. And, you know, and all the praise that you're wanting for yourself really should be directed towards God. And then the person who says the gifts haven't, haven't continued. It's really interesting to me because they are operating in one of those gifts. I'm, I'm sure whether they want to acknowledge it or not, Maybe it's uh maybe they're afraid to put too much stock into it because it will puff them up. Maybe that's the maybe that's where they're coming from. Because I I I know that for me personally, people give me praise for my mom says you know you know scripture better than I do. Um, you know you have your talents as far as being worship leader and all those things. But I always tell people I try not to pump you know, puff myself up in my abilities because the only reason that I have those abilities is because God gave them to me. So I try to use those to honor God with the talents that he has given me. So I stand right there in that position. So I want to make sure that God gets the glory for it because it's not me, it's him that's doing it through me. Is where I kind of try to stay anchored in, in the whole, in this conversation. I try to sit in the tension of it, but I haven't been able to articulate it. There are a lot of questions that come up around surrounding the conversation because I feel like we're we're missing the point. So in my opinion, I guess let me sum it up with, in my opinion, the dangers of focusing too much on the gifts shifts our focus from the giver to the gift. Uh, do you think inside of Matthew 7 and Jesus declaring, depart from me, is a cause of focusing too much on the gifts and not enough on the giver. All right. Before we get to Matthew seven, because once again, we have the biblical Matthew seven. We have the fact that there is the framework of all of scripture, right. that it will operate correctly. If we're in line with him, that there is a design that's been made known that we can go to Matthew seven and praise God for that. Let's just, the podcast is called tension in the tension. It's right. just called the tension. The tension, and I mess it up. And, and Every time. You know, hey, it, my my strength is found in my weakness. Yeah, it's like literally All right, so anyway, but I do know this, that the umbrella is faith fleshed out. I got that one wrong. Yeah. All right, so here's the thing. When, we, when we're talking <laughs> so, about faith fleshed out, <laughs> we can make it about the Bible, and it seems like I don't care about the Bible. That's not what I worship. Mm. Okay. Or that's the Bible, and it was 2,000 years ago. And how yeah. did somebody die in 2,000 years ago impact my life today? And, I, and okay, so that's that's fair. Yeah. Um. So when we when we say that, let's let's put some let's faith let's put some uh, faith fleshed out. Let's put some flesh on it. Mm. All right. So 
I was definitely prideful in high school and I was prideful because of all of the effort that my dad spent giving me things and me working my way and the combination of the two giving me false pride in the clothes that I wore and the car that I drove and the sports that I could play. And on the surface, you should be like me because I thought I was awesome. All right. But in the, the background, the truth of it was my dad tried to buy my affection and was never around. Mm. I thought I was something that was absolutely not true because I lived inside of a deception that I got to be the arbitrator of. It's mm. whatever I believed was true. Right. Um, I absolutely did not love others. I did not know God. I had no deeper understanding. So the gifts that were given were mine. Mm. And the giver was not the issue because they were mine. So it was me and I and mine. And they were given to me from a giver that saw it the same way. Right. They were his, yeah. And they gave he gave them to me to be mine. And I'll never forget. Like I've always bought books. I've got tons of books. And you, you remember the little flyers? Yeah, I got a lot of books. And you remember the flyers that you would mark the books you wanted, and then you'd ask your parents for the books, and you yeah, man, them. book fair days, book fair. That's exactly what it was, book fair. All right. So there was like a Garfield <laughs> picture that had like a Lamborghini and a mansion, and Garfield standing there. So whoever has the most toys wins, right? And I'll never forget my my dad just thought that was the coolest poster ever. And I'll, that was a false ideology that as a young child, I took forward for many years and I literally worked after the most toys wins the same way that a youth pastor could have shared something different or a friend or whatever. I mean, it doesn't, it was at a time period where the giver didn't matter because the gift was all I wanted or needed. So there's the desire mm. of the heart. We That's good. And, and we live in a place that, I mean, who wants socks and underwear for Christmas? Me. Right? I mean, because you're older and you understand that you need those and you got to buy them because <laughs> nobody else gives them to you. But as a kid, yeah, no, you would well, open yeah. them, you'd, like, you'd look at the giver and be like, are you serious? Dude, I'm telling you right now, I'm just going to make this known. I have no shame about this. But there's a couple of things that you don't skip out on as an adult. That's nice underwear, nice socks, and gourmet toilet paper, okay? You don't ever, you get the nice toilet paper because if you have the ability to wipe your fanny with pristine quality toilet paper, you do it. Don't know about, I don't like no two-ply toilet paper. I'm just making that public. I want that to be known. I am totally against two-ply toilet paper. And this is the both end because yeah. that, that is self-love. It is. Right, because it's his tushy. It is my tushy. But I've also seen the other person that stole the single ply from the plant that nobody else wanted to wipe with, <laughs> and also the ketchup package, but he had like $400,000 in CDs that he was rolling over because he'd lived like that all his life. So there's there's the happy medium. Yes, get, yeah. get the good stuff. I'm absolutely sorry. I didn't mean to throw you yeah. off. Matthew 7, we get back into that teaching, and it says, not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven, but those who do the will of my Father. So mm -hmm. they turn around, and they say, once I get to it, and they say, 
Yeah, did we not? On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do mighty works in your name? So ultimately, Jesus says, not everyone that says Jesus, Jesus, and understands the Bible is going to enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who actually does lives out this thirst and will desire of my Father who is in heaven. So they turn around and they say, hey, that's great, Jesus, because didn't we prophesy and tell everybody what you were going to do? Like you were coming back? Mm-hmm. Like, if you say this prayer after me right now, you'll be able to go to heaven. Or, or, or and I mean, I'm sorry if that's a little harsh, but somebody else's truth. prayer, somebody else's prayer is not going to get you there. Uh, All right, absolutely. Or, or to cast out demons, and I'm like, I'm sorry. When I read the Bible, I'm like the 13th disciple swatting flies, and it's like cast out demons. So like, I'm at Cedar Creek, and Mick brings in uh, Margo, yeah. and, and Margo is supposedly like possessed by a demon, and. I have like the holy water and I start throwing it on her head and I read the scripture and she starts spitting out pea soup and gra- jumps to the ceiling and starts walking around with her head turned around backwards. You know, all the sickness that the TV has taught us. Oh, yeah. And and then all of a sudden she like, oh, becomes <laughs> saved. You're like, man, if Eric's not going, I know I'm not going because he just cast out a demon. And the Bible just said, nope. Eric could actually do that, like all of that fiction stuff, and he could still go straight to hell. I mean, it says cast out demons in your name. It's like, well, it does say that. I, I never knew you. Mm. Depart from me, you worker of not lawlessness. So, yeah. and mighty works. In other words, whatever it is that you want to group up after or probably behind casting out demons and doing but miracles. I think the, the important thing to highlight, though, inside of this passage is, is obviously he is directly talking to people who are inside of the church. Ooh, or not, because what do we mean by church? So, where he's talking to people that either whether you've deceived yourself or wherever, you believe that you know and are in a personal relationship with Christ, yes or no? Personal relationship I would have a problem with, definitely knows. In other words, not everyone that says, Lord, Lord. So not, in other words, he's definitely talking about people that know their scripture. He's talking about people that have read the Old Testament, New Testament, and do it just to crush people. They do it just to feel better about themselves. You have known, quote unquote, supposed professing Christians that, Oh, they know the Bible, but all they want to do is tell you how you don't live up to it. Now, they'll never talk about themselves and their failures, and they'll always have a critical spirit, and there's absolutely no love or humility inside of their their their, their sharing of it. Right. But he's saying, you know, these are people that they've read it, right? but they didn't do the will of my father. Well, what's the will of your father? Because I've been doing this, and I've been doing that, and I've been telling everybody how they're wrong, because I understood it in my own interpretation. Right. And now I'm, I'm, I'm out here, listen, doing miracles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like casting out demons yeah like doing and then, it and the third one's like in other mighty works so that would be like everything else that you've done other than cast out demons and do miracles like i don't know too many people are like yeah i was doing miracles the other day should should have seen it <laughs> and then like oh yeah yeah wednesday i had two exorcisms and yeah and some other mighty works right it's, so ultimately let's just say most of us fall underneath the mighty works we've right. seen god do things that we don't deserve right. he's cl- proclaiming his glory we fall in love with what it is yeah. But you could absolutely fill that with your narrative. You could absolutely oh, yeah. make that about, oh, that, I deserve that because I've been reading the Bible. And let me so. Okay, but you're still not working underneath knowing him. You can know about him, right? But you really don't know him because if you know him, know him. That's awesome. If you knew him, mm-hmm. you would be underneath his instruction. Right. That would be the lawlessness. That would right. be the iniquity. You would be underneath what he's invited you into. So when you read the Torah in the Old Testament, you did it out of a heart of need, not out of a heart of assurance to where I don't need God. I just need to know about him. 
No, I don't know what to do without God, and my most righteous work is a filthy rag, and I only look and listen for what the Father would do because I know as soon as I don't do that, I end up just where I've always been, which is me doing it without him. And I hate that about myself. I hate that about my brother and my brother. I hate that about my wife. I hate that about my children. I hate that even about myself. Right. Because I need to deny that I can ever do anything and start to live like him, picking up my cross so that I can follow him to be a learner of his. And until those strings start to become something that become intention, no, I can't do it. But let me tell you about what he's done. Because of who he is, you end up with something that well, like surface level. So you're saying like through my unfaithfulness, he has shown me his faithfulness. In right relationship. So in other words, if you go too far either way, in other words, his faithfulness, I don't really have to do anything. Right. Or my faithlessness doesn't really matter because I can do whatever I want and Jesus is going to save me. Right. It's bringing them into tension. It's back to that trying to pull them into the best of your ability because Christ is going to make up the difference. But that does not mean Jesus literally says, why do you call me Lord if you don't do what I say? Right. So I'm not, he's not saying, why don't you call me Lord? Cause you can't do it. He already knows that, but whatever ability you have, that's the ability that he expects. And you should be pulling that tension right? because he pulled that tension so that you could be in the presence of the father by the gift of the Holy spirit right. through his finished work so that you could hold them in that proper tension. Well, in, in Dallas Willard's, the divine conspiracy, I just read this on the, he calls it the discourse on the hill. I think that's the Sermon on the Mount. Absolutely. Um, he says that 15 of the 92 verses are about Jesus's message is about actually doing it, not hearing it, knowing it. It's not about that. 15 of the 92 are about actually doing it. That's kind of what you're hitting on right here, right? Yes. But what people need to hear is this is why John Darby in the 1800s came up with premillennialism where you oh. get sucked out on the rapture because ultimately I know no, that's a whole other thing, but what you need to hear is he was the father of dispensationalism, which means, well, that wasn't written to us. I thought Darby did the rapture. Or Dar- so the rapture is something or that is pre-trib, has, post-trib. You hey, said premillennialism. Premillennialism has always kind of been there. Okay. The understanding of the rapture has kind of always been in the background. It's not in the forefront, but it's okay. in the background. There's been people that have talked about it. Okay, okay. In 1800s, John Darby right. comes along and he splits it into seven dispositions. Okay. All right, but inside of, they call it dispensationalism, Mm -hmm. there is Israel, right? but that's not the church. Right, right, right. So you're not connected to the Old Testament. You're something totally different. Okay. So when those dirty Israelites come back, they're going to have to live up to the Sermon on the Mount. That's not written to you. No, no, no. You don't have to do anything. No, no, no. Those dirty Jews, when they come back and there's no Holy Spirit and they have to walk through hell and you just get to get sucked up into heaven. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's going to be for them to walk it through. It sounds dope, to be honest with you. Uh, and the reason it was written is it's right after the Enlightenment period, which made man the center instead of God the center. And it was a great message to get people to come and tithe and attendance. It's well, great. The reason that I know that it's probably not true is only because that sounds way better. But the bottom line is Israel was the forerunner of who the church is because it's only one message and it's only one per. You only got one life and they've lived there so that, I mean, First Corinthians 10 They've, well, I gotta go to that. Okay, so First Corinthians ten. This is not inside of our notes. First Corinthians ten, when it says they did these things, uh, I wish I had made this note because I didn't know we were going to go here. 
but it ultimately uses them as an example. Okay, so now these things take place as an example for us that we might not desire evil as they did. Okay, so who are we talking about with the us and the they? I don't know. You have to tell me. All right, so these things took place as an example for us, i.e., I don't know, the body of Christ. Oh, yeah. Okay, so that would be the church, correct? I mean, I'm just, it's just, and I can even go back to first Corinthians 10. It says, I don't want you to be unaware brothers, kind of like Mick right now. I don't want you to be unaware brothers, right? (laughs) That our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink for they drank the spirit from the spiritual rock that followed them. The rock was Christ. All right. So are you in Christ? Yeah. And I'm in Christ. Uh-huh. And it says everyone that was in the desert that was in Moses is in Christ. Mm. Mm, that would be like Israel and the church, huh? That would be like, that would be like, oh, wait. So, so continuing on, it says in verse five, nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased. So, okay. So like there's Israel and they weren't pleased because they were grumblers and they didn't live up to their mission. They were overthrown in the wilderness of their lives. Now, verse six, now these things took place as an example for us. Hmm. So, like us being the church, right. who is the that we might not desire evil as they did? Who's the they? I bet it's the nation of Israel. Israel yeah. Right, okay. right. So instead of separating them into dispositions, it sounds like an ongoing story. That hey, yeah. they messed it up. Jesus came to do things you can't because now you can. Yeah. So for everybody at home, I'm tracking now. All right. But it says in seven, don't be idolaters as they were, mm-hmm. for it's written, they sat down and they ate and they drank and they rose to play, i.e. America. Right? Yeah. And, and we must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. Hmm. Who is the us and the them? Who are the we and the them? I'm pretty sure this is like, hey, you guys that are now in the finished work of Christ, i.e. the church. Mm-hmm. Um. Don't be like them, i.e. your brothers and sisters in the fulfillment of Christ. That would be Romans 3, if you want to go read it, that the propitiations were put aside, looking forward to the finished work of Christ so that they would you know, understand. So some of them did, the 23,000 fell in a single day. We must, put, no, we must not put Christ to the test, as some of them did, right. and were destroyed by serpents. And they grumbled, and they were destroyed by the destroyer. So... If you're coming to Cedar Creek this Sunday, we're going to talk about the destroyer and the destroyed. But ultimately, it was a nice plug. How could you separate Israel and the church when the Bible doesn't? I mean, it's I can tell be, you why. It's going to be tough. I can tell you why. Okay. Because um, if I can sell you on, you don't have to. And all you got to do is sit on the back row I'll, and I'll wait buy, for Jesus I'll to come back. He time. might come back this week. And, and when you watch TV, you're like, oh, man, it's getting bad. Jesus coming back, baby. You don't have to say anymore. You sold me. Can't wait. Can't wait. It's getting bad. Let's fill out some paperwork. Jesus going to come back. And then all y'all dirty the heathens, <laughs> Gentiles. I was so amazed. Even the Gentiles. No, that's Peter. That's not it. Oh, oh. But anyway. <laughs> uh, that's funny. When we get back to, I never knew you, mm-hmm. depart from me, you worker of lawlessness. Those are heavy words, dude. Well, if you can't do something with those verses, like as a brand new believer, I don't know where we're at in you're, time. You're good. Larry Crabb. I was reading a Larry Crabb book, and he talked about in the 70s, they had a church van, and they would go pick up kids from the trailer parks, and mm-hmm. they would bring them in, and it was a dynamic that worked that doesn't work today as well. Right. But that scripture always was in the back of my head because, I mean, it, it, that literally means it doesn't really matter what you think you know. Are you doing what the Father 
his will demands or requires. Hmm. Well, no. Well, what should you do? I don't know. I can go try and do miracles and mighty works and cast out demons. <laughs> but then even if I do that, the scripture says, no, 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 depart from me. I never knew you. Right. So like Matt Chandler does this awesome message and, and it's a plug for him or whatever, but he's like, you know, he's in Dallas and Troy Aikman comes in and they're actually at the table behind him. And, you know, he's got like his deacons or they're having a deacons meeting and right. like the Dallas Cowboys when they were winning Super Bowls, not like, you know, that's a star rating yeah. and they're only one star out of five, but you know, like <laughs> back when they were the Dallas Cowboys and he's like, I called my wife. And I was like, I got to let the deacons that, you know, a couple had to go to the bathroom. So I was like, Hey, I'm going to go outside and call Lauren. So he goes and he calls his wife. He's like, I'm having supper with Troy Aikman. And she's like, really? He's like, well, no, not really. Like he's sitting at the table behind me, but the like the Dallas Cowboys, they're in the restaurant and they're sitting right behind me. And she's like, that doesn't mean that he knows you. And he's like, but I, he went to UCLA and he threw this many passes and he had this many interceptions. And he had all the, and she, he goes through all this stuff that he knows about Troy Aikman. Right. And she's like, okay, but that doesn't mean he knows you. That just means you know about him. Mm-hmm. Now with Jesus, you may know everything about him. Not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, not, it doesn't matter how much you know about what he's done. It doesn't right. matter how many times you read your Bible. I've read my Bible straight through 76 times. Well, great, but um, there's no love in your heart and I really don't see you <laughs> submitting to him. So it, it's a great book. <laughs> yeah. All right, so ultimately, right. does he know you? Would Troy Aikman turn around and say, hey, Matt, what's up, man? Right? No, I mean, probably not. All right. And, 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 and I understand as I Shame use that him. illustration, I don't know whether Jesus would turn to me and say, Hey, Eric, I know you, but that's my hope. And if it's not my hope, I've misunderstood the scripture, which is the will of the father, which is to put my faith in what the father has done by sending his son to where one day I will hear in Jesus's name and eyes. Well, no, 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 no. My well, good and faithful servant. Yeah. I, you, you actually, you actually love me and did it. Not when I was there, but because you knew you were coming to me. Right. So with the Larry Crabb material, what made it blossom was, and I'm sorry, I'll probably mention Joel Osteen here in a minute. If we have a church fan and we send it to an an underprivileged place of, of residing and we get this young man or woman that starts to come and they come and they fall in love with the youth pastor and the youth pastor starts to see that love and that desire and starts to let that child answer some questions and the next thing you know it's like the star student and so finally the youth pastor's like hey i'm gonna let you teach next week's lesson and the child because he's not or she's not receiving that love from their parents because their parents are chasing this world and they go home and they study and they come back and the youth pastor's enamored and the kids are just like, man, how, how awesome is that? And the, the youth pastor goes to the senior pastor and the senior pastor's like, well, let me come check the kid out. Right. And then the youth, the senior pastor's like, we should let him preach on a Sunday night. And yeah. so it preaches on Sunday night. We invite the parents at this point. Right. I mean, right. cause oh, at yeah, this point, I mean, even mom and dad might be invited to the church. You know what I mean? So, so then we invite the parents to the church and they come and all oh, the parents are now proud. Oh my goodness. So yeah. now the child's getting the approval and the love from his parents that were being sucked because they were chasing this world because of the love of the youth pastor and the gospel being presented. So, you know, what's going to happen at any, and I'll even take the heat on the denomination, but it would be any denomination. We'll just say a Baptist denomination. What we're going to do is we're going to put that old thermometer up there on the stage. And we're going to start raising money, send them to seminary. Ooh, we got $10,000. Yeah. Ooh, got thirty thousand dollars and then we raise up enough money to send them to seminary they go to seminary they're like valedictorian because they're just thirsty for this this 
this they're enamored with being heard and being listened to and being looked to and the next thing you know they're like Joel Osteen down in te- in Texas and they've got like 30,000 people that we say this is the Bible we believe it and then we put it underneath the seat and we give a whole bunch of self-help but yet they hear the gospel because the gospel is not on the deliverer but on the truth and power of the word of God mm-hmm. and they come down and they get saved while the person standing on the stage the conduit goes straight to hell because they never did it for God they never did it for others mm-hmm. They did it for themselves in wanting that approval, that pride, that hunger and thirst for affection and, and, and superiority. And he can use broken things mm-hmm. to do the most miraculous things, i.e. the cross. Mm. He used the darkest day for the brightest and most powerful message and that could happen in any one of our hearts. So the question is, why do I do what I do? Why do I say what I say? Is it actually for God and others at the cost of myself? That's the gospel. That's the one Jesus taught. All right. Amen. That's the gospel where when we go back to the Old Testament and they come to David and he says, hey, I'm going to build the first temple. And he goes to the landowner and he's like, we're going to build the temple of God right here. How much do you want for your land? And the landowner's like, Hey man, I mean, if it's going to be the temple of God, you can have it. And David says, there's no way I can build the temple of God on land that doesn't cost something. Mm. So, oh, look at me. I can do this or that. You already know that's wrong. Mm. I mean, that's, it's, it's, hey, let me tell you, I don't know how to do that. Can you show me? You're probably closer to the gospel. Will he show you how to do it so you can show others to do it? Well, that's Solomon. Can you ask God for wisdom and these spiritual gifts and him give them to you? And then you turn around and tell everybody it's about you and what you can do and end up with, I don't know, 700 wives and 300 hookers and end up ruining the nation. Yeah, that's happened too. Mm. I mean, it's, it's, the Bible's amazing, man. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm, especially in learning so much more, there's some, there's a lot of different application that I've never really had to sit in front of, I guess is what I should say. And that's all in a, in searching for truth and and what the actual takeaway should be, what the reality of it in my heart, not only inside of the church, but the reality of it in my heart. And even in looking in that, like I told my wife the other day, I'm realizing a lot of what needs to be fixed in my own personal life stems from me not having the right attitude. It all stems from that. So. There's a lot of times, you know, she said, you don't really say much about X, Y, or Z. And I'll tell her because either A, I don't have the words to say, don't have anything that can be building up or making the situation better, or I don't know how to say where I'm at because I'm still processing. So, and you've told me that I need to learn how to commun- over-communicate. And so that, which is fine. Encouraged. And I, yeah, well, encouraged to do so. But in explaining to in explaining that to her, she understood more of the process that I was going through. So I kind of told her that if I had the right attitude and, and if I fixed my attitude, my I would have joy inside of doing different things because I realized how quickly, if I'm not doing the work on the inside, it's a reflection of the Father's name inside of the honor culture. So I it has to be done personally and I can't get too puffed up and start running away 
at the things that I'm doing when my heart's not in the right place to begin with. So I'm and and I'm trying to stay in that humility right there. That's my own personal little spot where God has me right now. Is that I realize that it's quick for me to slip into anger and to fuel it and so I I I stop there and I go, "Oh man, God help me. I need I need the better attitude right here. I don't need to to go into this because it's going to not only is it not good for me, but it brings dishonor to your name. And that gets back to the both and. So literally, Acts 1-8, mm-hmm. but you will receive power. And and when you read red letters, these are something that Paul or Luke remembered Jesus saying. Right. Jesus did not write down these red letters. Yeah. All right. So right. once again, just, just with that said, right. however, they are powerful enough to be turned into red letters because they are remembering what they heard from right. Jesus's lips. That's That's the understanding when we read it. Jesus said that his disciple remembered, but you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit when he has come upon y'all. All right, so when that takes place, you will become a witness in Jerusalem, which is that individual, personal, inside of me, it has to start with me. Right. If the center is in the heart, the Holy of Holies, the if Jerusalem I'm not the part. door, yeah, if I'm not the door, if I'm not the meeting place, if I'm not the high priest, if I'm not the one taking the sacrifices, if I'm not the one then I got no business going to Judea and Samaria, which is the church. Right. Because I got brothers and sisters that are arguing, but I got nothing different in me. The only reason I can help my brothers and sisters is because of the difference made in me. Right. All right. But back to the honor and shame, the shame of being honest that anger overwhelms you is what people need to hear that are eat up with their shame and their guilt. But they equally need to hear in proper tension, right, relationship, how Jesus has said, but I've made a way for that not to be what actually controls you. There is the truth of what God has said in his ultimate plan. There is a life inside of the power of the Holy Spirit that sends you on a mission that you didn't know before. It does put you back in front of the very eyes and ears of the Father to where when you put those two together, you become the witness in Jerusalem, in your own heart, to those that are in the church, so that you then have a message to go out into the world. But the world is full of shame, guilt, struggle, failure. Absolutely. And so are we. Absolutely. Which makes us relevant. Yeah. However, there's the church, which is supposed to mean the body of Christ, brothers and sisters, something changed and, and something we have by grace, which is the truth. Yeah. To where we get to take Moses in the Old Testament, which means you got to read it, to the lost Mm -hmm. and do it, to where then when you meet them where you knew they would be, because you're not that far away, you've just been by grace introduced to the finished work of Christ as a pagan, Mm -hmm. into, into come let us reason together. Yeah. That's good. And it ends up being an invitation instead of a, hey, let me tell you this, or you're going to hell. Well, I yeah, mean, it, well, it's stepping it's stepping into the invitation of I've come to preach to those who are near and to those who are far off. So once you realize that if you are near now, those who are far off are still part of the message. <laughs> exactly. You're not that. I mean, that's hitting. That's hearkening back to what you said earlier about being able to see you were blind. Now you can see, and then you realize you can see, well, now you're blind again because you're operating in the, um, 
you're operating in the hierarchy of where your stance is or where you where you think you are, you know, in, in the hierarchy of the body of Christ. And that's that leads to a lot of problems and it pushes a lot of people away. So Paul Washer has this thing and once again it's a name drop or whatever, if you're not familiar with him, he's What up, Paul? Uh, and and once again, he's got a great message for what Paul brings. Yeah, and Paul has this thing about, you know, so who is closer to Christ, a rat or an angel? <laughs> and, and, and of course, Paul's going to say neither one of them because Christ is so much advanced and so far different. But I, that's good. I will soften it some because when you listen to Paul and you're not already, well, I'm reformed, so he's right and you're wrong. <laughs> Let's 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 soften it a little bit to the person that doesn't know everything that Paul assumes that you already know. And right. and, and once again, he's great at, at at evangelism. Not that's not a knock. Yeah, no, no. Who is closer to God? You or an angel? Hmm. Instead of a rat. So you're yeah. like you're taking the position of the rat. So yeah, well, yeah. but we can understand you versus a rat, right? And what would your answer be? My answer just gut. Gut reaction. I want to say neither because I feel like that's what I'm supposed to say. That's my gut reaction. Which is Paul's teaching, you know, a rat and an angel. They're both so far away that they can't. Okay, but that's not the question. The question was, yeah. here's two things, which one is closer? So the question is, who's closer, an angel or me? An angel that has been sent to speak unto men or man that angels came to speak unto. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm curbing my question in a wrong way right? because the answer is going to be the opposite. Right. Because it says that Jesus Christ, okay. inside of what he's been sent to do, inside of his word, mm-hmm. became lower than the angels. Right. So that we could become part of who he is. Right. To then be brought above the angels and know that we are being trained to judge them. Hmm. So actually, you are closer to God if you'll submit to what he said than an angel is, even though an angel is far more superior than you in every way right now. Hmm. So you got a long way to go. Oh, yeah, obviously. But you're headed there if you can understand it. In other yeah. words, when you look at that truth and you say, okay, but he is training me for a purpose, mm-hmm. then you say, okay, how would I train to bench 315? You'd probably start with less than 315. The normal person is going to not be able to do 315. So how do you how do you bridge you, that gap? Well, you build up to 315. You start wherever you are. doesn't really matter. Yeah, whatever's comfortable, I guess. And then nutrition. Time in the gym, right? Dedication, mm-hmm. showing up to work, right? Um, lifting the weight, yeah, and then setting a goal higher with a spotter to help you when you fail, right? Until you reach the goal, right? Okay, so that's like the physical representation of I don't know the spiritual truth <laughs> of how how are you going to grow, right? I mean, come on, y'all. The church has been given to you to spot you, to walk with you. Mm. The word of God is, if you'll eat my flesh and drink my blood, i.e. nutrition, mm-hmm. if you will internalize who I am, make that your story, continue to actually show up and do it each day, mm-hmm. through your failures, your faithlessness, I will show you my faithfulness, yeah, and amen. you will be lifting more weight than you ever thought you would lift. And then somebody's going to ask you the same question, and you're going to be like, yeah, I'm so far away from where I'm supposed to be. But the real question is, where'd you start? Yeah, that's good. And then you got the both ends. Let me yeah. tell you what he's done. Let me tell you how far away I am. And if you lose that, the lost don't want to hear you because you're not willing to say how far away you are. Right. The saved think they're already better than you because you're not willing to say, well, this is exactly what I know it says. It's like, well, no, I mean, 
we're back to my oldest daughter saying I know exactly what it says because right. I mean, yes, I I I know what I'll stand on and I know what I'll live to. And as far as me and my household, here that is. Mm-hmm. But can I turn around and tell you this is what God has said? I'm not gonna no. Mm-mm. It's kind of loaded. No, I'm not. I I, I just no. I'm, different cultures, different time periods, things that no. Mm-mm. So you, so you would say after. After all that we've talked about and inside of this conversation, you would say that operating from a place of humility would be the would be the best start as far as that. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a way to make it to have like application that could be applied right. from the conversation. So first and I've heard you say a lot of a lot of stuff here. So right. I'm trying to what what would be the what would be the takeaway? No matter what the scripture says, if you're going to come to God, you're going to have to come with a broken and contrite heart, mm-hmm. um, which means you're going to have to come to the end of yourself. You're going to have to re- realize he's God. You're not. You're going to have to, I mean, you don't bring anything to the relationship. You receive everything that you don't deserve. Mm-hmm. And that then changes your heart from a heart of entitlement to a heart of thankfulness and you just came through the door. That's not the end. That's the beginning. And then out of that love relationship and out of the unbelievable, I mean, when we're talking about the family's name in the time period that we're talking about, I mean, even if you just think of a Pharaoh or a, a, a rule, a, the emperor of Rome, hmm. if I was the emperor of Rome and I came down to Mick and Mick's just Mick, right? Yeah. And I come down and I'm like, Mick, you are now my viceroy. You are now the leader of my military. Oh, snap. And and I, I, I dress him in a beautiful robe and I start to allow him to be around my family and to walk inside of the processions that the royal family goes through, the triumphal things that we get to be part of. And and Mick is like part of the family for a period of time and then yeah. all of a sudden and there's like literal story there's there, there are literal stories of this that i would have to go find out the actual names i do know that it was right. an oriental story but ultimately mick gets so full of himself that he starts making posters of him in the triumphal entry with me standing behind him right and and then so like actually starts putting it around town to where there's here's the triumphal entry of the royal family and it's like Mick is in the front and I'm standing behind Mick and and like here I am like one on one just kind of trying to hang out with my people hey man letting you know that I care and then as I go to shop to shop there's like Mick in front of me and my family it's like what all right so it doesn't end well for Mick in the story no. and like the literal history and it's you know, not going to it's not going to end well for us either. I mean if you're standing in front of Yeah, I would totally do that too. Cuz to we've got we do it so often and 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 yeah. and we got I mean yes. I don't know. I, I'm sorry. Illustrations I, work in my mind. In yeah. other words, when I think of that and I think you're absolutely right. I've got nothing other than grace. That is the truth. Let me tell you about the law. I stink at it. Yeah. But I love it because yeah. it's true. Absolutely. That's and why it, you delight in it because it's true. And it doesn't move and it's always the same. But doesn't it, but doesn't this boil back down to where Paul actually talks about if that could be done through the law, then the law would have been good enough to get us to where we needed to be. So that's kind of one of the overarching points that he's making inside of Romans, I'm, I'm pretty sure. So no one's justified by it. Correct. So the only thing that justifies you is the invitation into a relationship you don't deserve as a Gentile. Mm. And, and and for a future podcast, 
because I, I think we're, we're, we're definitely a long time into this one. But either yeah, way, yeah. I mean, inside of that, I do believe that there's a difference in those that have the blood of the chosen. Right. I.e., the original covenant, and then the new covenant being opened by one of those laying down his blood to invite mm. you in as his bride federal head to enter in, not by blood, but by promise, so that it's not who you are, but who he is. And there is a difference. And but that once again, there's a difference that is both and not either or. Right. Because when we get into that conversation, because once again, we're going to do this over and over and over, we eventually will. Right. Those that have that blood look forward to a day that they're going to meet Jesus as the Lord of Lords, King of Kings, and they hope they receive his grace off of what they do. Yeah. All right. So they live their life not knowing and working hard, but they're doing it. Yeah. In fear. Mm. All right. Now we've received the word of God, the love of God, the grace of God, and we get to rest and live in the assurance, but we're not doing it. So you're going to meet him after all of the things he's done and be accountable for the gift that he's given. And you have nothing to cast at his feet. Mm. I mean, second Corinthians five, you're going to be at the beam of seat of Christ, the beam of seat, the fulfillment of the law, the fulfillment of the high priest. He is the bread of life. He sustained you. You're going to meet him one day as a believer. This has nothing to do with the loss as a believer that's been invited in as a pagan who let them in i was amazed even the <laughs> gentiles got in that's i.e us yeah and him look you in your eyes and say with everything that i did what you do with it is your life what you want to put in front of them you got a little bit left that's good dude looking at spiritual tongue, uh, the spiritual gifts. We'll get back into application, which is going to be as we encourage you to go back to the scripture and read it to where you can internalize it. First Corinthians, um, 12 through 14. Mm-hmm. And what I want you to know is he starts a conversation out of 11. It all runs together. I mean, it's one book. Do all things for the glory of God. He starts talking about head coverings, which ties you back to the old Testament. If you, if you understand it, and then he starts to talk about the Lord's supper and how they're doing that with the vision. Mm-hmm. And then 12 starts now considering these things, let's talk about spiritual gifts. Right. He presents the truth of it. And then he gets into the heart condition. He's like, no matter what, I don't care where your argument lies. If you don't love, then it's all for naught. And mm-hmm. then in 14, he kind of sums it up. So, when we get to application on our next time that we're together, we'll look at 12 through 14 out of first Corinthians. Um, I encourage you to read, I don't know, all of first Corinthians, at least one through 14 yeah. and, and just kind of get a flow of the book and understand it and, and cut out some time out of the other things that you do and yeah. spend time with him in the Holy spirit, being able to renew your mind, get rid of the patterns of this world. Mm. I guess I've talked enough. You have talked enough, but I do. I do think that that is there are there. There's a number, numerous different things that I want to want to get into. So I think we'll just probably pick this up on a second part. We'll get dive a little bit deeper into this. But I feel like that was a really good overview of how we can put them together inside of tension, um, where we need to be operating from, uh, where we need to bring our minds to, and how we can bring that before God and say, maybe I've gotten it wrong. 
let me return to my broken heart. Let me return to my weakness so that your your strength may be found within me. I mean, I, I, that's where I think would be. It's not maybe. Well, well, well we, we've all got that's that what, broken that's, heart. That's, that's what we should take away from, from this. Well, that's what I'm taking away from Amen. the conversation. So, I, No one listening does not have that failure broken heart, is not invited into that repenting, returning. Every time it starts with repent and no, repent and right. So, I mean, repentance is a positive thing, not a negative. Absolutely. Well, uh, we also have uh, want to go ahead and plug the uh, the socials. Please follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, and on Patreon. All of those are at Faith Fleshed Out. We would love to hear from you. If you have any questions, you can reach out on any of those. If you'd like to get with us directly, we have an email that is faithfleshedout at gmail.com as faithfleshedout at gmail.com. So please send in your send in your questions and we will address them. Uh, we're working on a way to get into where we can kind of do like maybe an answer and response show uh, after we get a bunch of questions and stuff like that. So we're going to work all of that good stuff in. Eric, it's always a, uh, this time it was a pleasure, man. I really, that was really good. I, I really enjoyed that. I was fired up about this one. I have like so many other questions, so I guess we'll go back to the drawing board and get a little bit more into the trees instead of the mosaic this time. But yeah, that was that was good, and I appreciate it as always, sir. The man said this time. <laughs> really enjoyed it this time. That's awesome. See, that's that's the love of Christ in every one of us. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to. I mean, I was just I was trying to be. I told him I was going to be transparent, man. The, the six people that are still listening, I, <laughs> hey, and, and and I love you six, whoever you may be, and and if you've if you've actually stuck with it and listened multiple times, I mean, I'm as always always excited about just sharing who he is and 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 as we go, absolutely. So we thank y'all all again for joining us for this this time. Yeah, this time for for joining for joining us and we look forward to continuing the conversation and we'll uh, see you next time. All right, say bye Eric. Bye Eric. See y'all.